Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Cody Decker birthday edition of the Baseball America podcast. Along Happy with, birthday, Cody. Yeah, along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Uh, Cody is... Uh, turning 26 today, I think it was. So. Uh, or as he put it, well past his prime, according to us. That's right. So um, enjoyed that. And enjoying uh, today being World Baseball Classic release day. Um, we're p- podcasting in between the announcement of Major League Baseball announcing USA Baseball's uh, roster in the morning. The other 15 nations will be released this afternoon. We do have the Cuba roster. We have a partial Canadian roster. So we're going to podcast on the WBC and prospects in this podcast, and we'll have a little bit more World Baseball Classic or a lot more World Baseball Classic more. coming we up. Have the fever. It'll probably be a lot more once we get all the rosters. Uh, but JJ, the talk in the office this morning, uh, we actually it was oh, like a little mini draft. Somebody must have realized that it was WBC uh, roster release day because someone brought donuts to the office, which is always enjoyable. Um, especially since I'm, I'm paying a dollar ninety nine for a dozen of them on the on the, my Simpsons tapped out mm-hmm. on iTunes. <laughs> actually, I didn't realize that Alex. Stealthily, my son stealthily bought some donuts the other day. I guess he figured out my iTunes password. Oh. Time to change the iTunes password. Um, but the, the the WBC, the U.S. roster announced today, JJ, and I'm, I want to be careful not to be too reactionary with my, resp- my reaction to the roster. But as we were watching, because there's been a lot of reaction on Twitter, that seems pretty reactionary. I don't want to be reactionary to the reactionary. Your first thought, we were sitting there in the same room, typing furiously and then writing up and, and putting our coverage, our initial coverage together for the WBC, for the American roster. What was your first thought when you saw the roster? When you saw, especially when they were going through the position players. The the position players, it's not everyone that I would have. I mean, there's clearly some, some guys who stand out for not being there. But the thing about Team USA is when it comes to the lineup is, is that it's deep enough that if you are getting – the guy who would be the third or fourth best choice for that position. Right. You're still getting a guy who may be the best at that position or one of the best at that position come, uh, you know, come WBC time. And, and the reality is, is if you look at it one through nine, the lineup that they're probably going to put on the, you know, on the field, it's probably going to be the best lineup in the WBC. But even with having some notable, you know, guys. Omissions. Yeah. It's, it, it, to me, that was as they were going through the lineup, a lot of it had been leaked. You know, right. it wasn't exactly that lot. dramatic. Which well, David if, Wright's there. Yeah, we knew that, yeah. Well, I mean, like, David, David Wright and Joe Maurer were officially announced at the winter meetings, and the rest of it was the surprise uh, was, was where there was less suspense because Ryan Braun had tweeted it and Adam Jones had tweeted it and gone on the radio. And I'm curious as to which, whether you – like, do you think it would have uh, been better to have uh, – be a little bit of a secret – and then be announced. It seems like they actually the buildup was actually better. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that hurt anything. Like you said, I think USA Baseball and some of the other people with this team were a little bit upset that some of the players had announced it. But apparently, Joe Torre told the players, "Yeah, go ahead and tell whoever you want." So I'll, I'll actually trust Joe Torre's instincts but, on this. 
I think that's actually kept this in this in people's minds a little bit more. And I think it's an impressive line, lineup. You could nitpick at some positions. The, the thing I'll say is, is that I think that also helped because while some people saw it as underwhelming, I think they would have thought of it as more underwhelming if we had not kind of known. Okay, this guy's not going. This guy's right. not going. You know, we had a we knew pretty much before they ever announced this that you weren't going to see a Trout Harper outfield. Right now, and I honestly thought that the I said in the fall. I thought for sure the U.S. was going to have a Trout, Harper, and someone else outfield because I thought that from their past relationships with those players, especially Harper, and then from the relationship they tried to rebuild with Trout after cutting him from the 18U team, but then rebuilding that kind of bridge in 2010 when he was on the World Cup team and Pan Am qualifying team, you know, I thought they were going to build the whole team around those two guys. And when you look at – when you go, you know, we're obviously located nearby the Cary – uh, National Training Complex, where USA Baseball is located. I live in Cary. I drive by that stadium sometimes just to see it, <laughs> just to see what's going on there. And uh, if you see drive by it just to see. Well, there's you're construction. Making a, you're, you're, I was gonna say you're making a route because there's some construction there. That's all. There's the new 540 is there, and yeah. then they're they're build they're gonna build this clubhouse out there. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll drive by it sometimes to see what's to see what's going on. And when you're on the campus there, and you're near, at the complex, there are Mike Trout and Bryce Harper posters. All over the place, right there with the Ben Sheets and the Steven Strasburgs. So I thought that they were going to they were going to build around those two guys. When they didn't get those two guys, it was a little bit disappointing. But at the same time, it's hard to build a better outfield than Braun and Stanton on the corner outfield. The only thing you'd change really is Adam Jones is very good. You'd rather have McCutcheon or Trout, but otherwise, or, or Matt Kemp maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for this team, maybe. But but Adam Jones is a much better defender, I think, in right. center field than Bryce Harper. Harper's a little bit better offensive player at this point. We'll have a much better career. I think it's a push on those two guys. And on this team, left-handed power, you probably would rather have Harper. That's the thing that stands out is that this team is very right-handed. It is. The left-handed, only pure left-handed hitter is Maurer among the starters. They do have, I think, four switch hitters. And Rollins, Teixeira, Victorino, and Zobrist, all of whom are proficient from the left side. Right. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't feel like they're unbalanced, but there isn't that one pure left-handed power hitter, which we would have if you had a Harper. Um, but the guys that we're talking about that they didn't that they didn't get McCutcheon, Trout. Uh, I guess the other guy that they didn't get is Prince Fielder. Mm-hmm. That's the one guy that you. That, that, oh that's, no, no. The that's guy that they didn't get is Buster Posey, Posey, and that's the other guy. But I would like to go through. So at catcher, you didn't get Buster Posey. Is there anyone else you'd rather have than Joe Maurer other than Buster Posey? I, I think they got the second best yeah, guy myself. I think myself. they got the second best at this point. You right. could argue uh, Matt Weeders. Right. Weeders because of power. Because of power and, you know, at this point in their career, you might say that he's a touch better even defensively than Maurer. Right. Probably is a little bit better. But the reality is also is But Maurer, we just talked about how they don't have other left-handed hitters, and Maurer's right. as pure a left-handed hitter as the, there is in, in the world. The thing we also have to remember with this is the WBC, you're, what you're going to be seeing is just that I, you could, if you're making the argument about the best team, the best team is, is really for this is, yes, I want all three of them. I want Weeders, I want Maurer, I want Posey, because you're probably not going to be allowed. This is early enough in spring training and all that. they're not. You're not going to be allowed to say, Buster, you're our guy. You're going to catch every game. Well, Joe Bauer, you're our guy. You're well, in. one thing is you do have to have a catcher who can catch a knuckleball mm-hmm. because R.A. Dickey – and mm-hmm. when I when I was going in the fall again, like what would my ideal team be? R.A. Dickey was one of those ideal guys because I think a, a knuckleballer is perfect in this situation. And for me, it's kind of some closure to R.A. Dickey. One of the lesser moments of his career was being on the 96 Olympic team 
in that it was a lesser moment because his elbow and his lack of a UCL uh, was exposed in that photo, the famous Baseball America cover photo, where his arm is bent weird and you know, the uh, Rangers knocked down a signing bonus about by about you know ninety percent. He got a seventy-five thousand dollars signing already. bonus. We didn't mean to cost you. Yeah, because he had to have Tommy John surgery immediately. Uh, so to me, it'd be, it's a nice kind of closure for him. So I, and and, I, and he's earned a spot on this team. So now he's the ace. I was hoping he'd be like the change of pace between uh, David Price and Justin Verlander, but he's kind of the change of pace. But you have to have a catcher to catch him. So JPR and Zebia is a Blue Jay. He will be the guy catching. R.A. Dickey this year. So it actually makes a lot of sense to have R.A. and CBA. No, he probably will be. He's working out with Dickey all off No, I understand that. But they, they said, though, the reason that they picked up uh, Josh Tole in that deal was because of well, his Well, he's familiar, certainly. Right. So no doubt. So there's a, pan, there's but, a chance but, uh, that he's going to be his personal catcher. Right. But R.A. and CBA has spent – I just was right. talking to Paul Slaughter about this. R.A. and CBA has been working out with Dickey all off season, So they wanted to pick a catcher who's familiar with R.A. Dickey it wasn't going to be Josh Tolle. Right. So, no. so, that, so would, that would have been one that so understandably – So, Aaron Sebia uh, is catching Dickey this offseason, is working out with him, and has played for USA Baseball in the past. So, you make sense. When you're building a team, you can't have three stars at catcher. They're, all, they're not going to say yes. So, you have your star and you have backups. Those catchers make sense. At first base, they have Mark Teixeira. He's certainly not ideal. The, your first choice for me would be Prince Fielder. Mm-hmm. But Prince Fielder would also be my first choice as a DH mm-hmm. for this team. Uh, we've talked about this. I, I would have had Freddie Freeman. That's who I would have asked for. A young, left-handed hitting, pure first baseman, and a, as good or better defender in some ways than, than Mark Teixeira. Four years ago, Teixeira was the ideal guy, but Mark Teixeira, two, 2013, is not the same guy. I'll throw another guy out there who I also like because of versatility. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a Mark Trumbo. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because you get first, he can play third. You're not going to probably not well. But you're not going to probably need him at those. But you never know in a game like this. Right. I like having a little – because you put him at first base and say you're going to be a first baseman during this. Right. He's fine. I would – if he was the number two, if you had him as a, you know, as your number two first baseman who gets a game or, now, or two at first, power off the bench late in the games, but right. also gives you that versatility if you need it. But if you're just looking for pure first baseman, American first baseman, uh, other than Prince Fielder – I don't know that it's a slam dunk that you do better than Tejera here. I mean, I'll, again, I prefer Freeman, but I, the the knocks, the haters, I guess, to I, to use that term, who are knocking this team, do who's better among American League first basemen? They didn't get the best guy. You could argue they got the second best guy. I guess I'd 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 say at this point, I'd say Freddie Freeman's a clearly a better a, a better choice for this team than Tejera. I agree. I, I do think, think it's debatable. I, I think it's very debatable. From it just, really from depends power on how standpoint. much you think. But it really – it partly depends on – to me, one thing with this is, and this is where it begins difficult on a team like this, I don't think you necessarily for need, even though first base is usually your power position, I think with this lineup, you a guy like Freeman who's probably going to post a better high on base percentage for you, and at this point in his career, going to give you better defense than Teixeira. That's more valuable than, than getting another thumper. They've got enough thumpers in the middle of the lineup. We were just saying they don't have that much left-handed power. They really yeah. don't have any. That's what Teixeira is supposed to provide, and that is one thing that he still provides. I mean, he's not going to hit 23 home runs over a full year like Freeman did. I love Freddie Freeman, but I, I, I feel you, what you're saying. I would rather have Freddie Freeman. I was the one who brought it up. Right. But I, under, but I, think that's a very, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think if you're, I think you could definitely make a case where you'd get ten evaluators in here, and some of them would prefer 
Teixeira, and some of them would prefer Freeman. At second base, Brandon Phillips, same thing. You could have Brandon Phillips or you could have Dustin Pedroia. Over the course of a season, I think it's an important distinction. Over the course of a season, a player like Pedroia, higher on base, a little less raw power, especially outside of Fenway Park, is the better player. But in terms of tools and in terms of – and a I, short I series think, like this, I, I think I'd rather have Brandon and Phillips. And I do think Phillips is the best defensive second baseman in yeah, the game right now. So I agree. I think that that's, there's a value to that. No, there, you, would, you would have no drop-off if you went to uh, Dustin Pedroia. So, um, but I short, think second base is one. It's hard to argue like, oh, they and didn't. Thir- and third base, yeah. Uh, you could say Evan Longoria. You could even say Chase Headley. You could say Ryan Zimmerman. But David Wright is clearly in He's the in conversation with all group. those guys. So it's not like it's one of those things where you're not saying – Okay, well, clearly they didn't come. Like, right. like to me, it, as good as Joe Mauer is. I just don't is, see how I don't see how people are knocking that. That infield is pretty good. Infield. As good as Joe Mauer is, is that like there is a clear like you are not getting a guy in the same level. Buster right. Posey, that there is okay. Buster Posey not being there, your team suffers. David, see, I I'm, I actually am not agreeing with you. Buster Posey is better than Joe Mauer, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel like that's a. There's no cliff there. As good as Buster Posey is. Well, I just think that Buster Posey's in a different level right now than any air catcher in the game. Joe Maurer had a 141 OPS plus last year, and Yadier Molina's at that same kind of level, too. So I just don't agree with you. I'm sorry. I I think Buster, if I were starting a team, I would pick Buster Posey first, even over Mike Trout, even over Bryce Harper. But I don't feel like, I do feel Joe Maurer and Yadier Molina are in that same group with Buster Posey. It might be a little bit bigger gap than. Right, and some of the other third baseman, okay. but it's not a chasm. I don't, I, and I don't think like, I don't think the numbers support that. Joe Maurer has won three batting titles. Right. He's the best hitting catcher of all time. I don't think Buster Posey's. I, I can't give him that. He's best hitting catcher of all time yet. <laughs> Mike Piazza is a better hitting catcher than Joe Maurer. I'd, he's the best hitting catcher of all time who doesn't have steroid suspicion. How okay. about that? But fine. But <laughs> if you're saying best hitting catcher of all time, I'm still going to go Piazza on that. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's Joe Maurer. He doesn't have Mike Piazza's power, but just pure hitting catcher. I'm going to say Joe Maurer is the best. Ever. Three batting titles. I don't think anyone's done that since Ernie Lombardi. Uh, I'm going to say Joe Maurer. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> we, probably, we might still have to say Ernie Lombardi is the best pure hitter when you talk about that he did it by the, despite the fact, as I said, that he ran with a piano on his back. There's that, but uh, get, get, we should probably get back yeah. on task. I think shortstop's the biggest gap. Shortstop is the one. Of all these positions, because Jimmy Rollins is age, and I would say that your ideal guy would be Troy Tulowitzki, and your next best guy, I <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this, is probably Ian Desmond. Mm-hmm. They went veteran, and I will also say steadier defender mm-hmm. uh, than offensive firepower. And again, with the fact that Desmond's right-handed, and that's a pretty right-handed lineup, the fact that he's a lot younger, I would say, uh, fair to say, a more erratic defender than Rollins. I'd rather have Desmond, but for but this again, team, I see how Rollins makes sense. I don't. The better way to put the, the best way to put this is is again the depth of the U.S. group. Field to pool choose players, from the yes. pool of players is so deep that while you can say this guy's better, this guy's this guy's better, the reality of it is is that the second, third, and fourth choices in the position players, there's no one that you say this is really a uh, man. You know that looks that looks bad. I know people got worked up about Willie Bloomquist. <laughs> the reality <laughs> yeah, is, I don't is that, that the reality is is that Willie Bloomquist, if Willie Bloomquist ever has a key at bat. In a WBC game with the game on the line, yeah, that's a problem. Then Joe Torre screwed up. There's no other way to put it. That's if right. If Willie Bloomquist is in there, you know, 
Yeah, Willie no, Bloomkiss, if Joe Torrey pulls a Frank Robinson and you you know you say, oh, we're we, you know we're we're sitting Jimmy Rollins today because I feel like Bloomquist has a hot hand, right? Then you're making. But if you say that that's his a, that's a 2003 Olympic qualifier reference for those of you who don't know, yeah. uh, Frank Robinson managed that team and benched said Joe Maurer for Gerald Laird against Mexico's Rigo Beltran. And by the way, with starter. a spot in the Olympics on the line, it was yeah they were in the one and done round. They were in the quarterfinals and it was the one and done round and. But they uh, did Joe, bring Maurer Joe, into the game. He did pinch hit. Uh, he was asked to bunt. And, yeah. uh, you know, we really, want, we really want Justin Leone to win this, not Joe Maurer. So stay hot, Frank. You'll always have my never-ending <laughs> contempt for costing me a free trip to Greece. Back on task. Um, but So even though I think there's a pretty big gap there between Tula and J-Roll, I actually think with Tulowitzki's injury issue, I think Jimmy Rollins actually makes the most sense, which also says a lot about American shortstops. I mean, the other guy, you, the only really the other guy you throw in that discussion, you could maybe throw in is JJ Hardy. But right, I, I was talking to a scout last night, and the guy that he threw out was Manny Machado. <laughs> so um, that'd be uh, five years from now or four years from now, you're going to be basically wrestling with Puerto Rico. I think for like, can we have Francisco Lindor? Francisco Lindor, you didn't come play for the USA team like, like you did on the 16U team. Because you're looking for the defense first at this in this kind of tournament, but that's that's the state of American shortstops, I think, right now, and world shortstops. No, honestly, unless you're the Netherlands, I, I, everyone else, <laughs> Netherlands everyone else is trade. everyone else is hurting for catcher. I mean, for shortstop, um, you know, Cuba would probably rather have Adiani Hechevaria or Julio or Jose Iglesias instead they have uh, Barbaro Arubaruena. I, I know I'm not pronouncing his name right. He's in that same mold. But he's not as old or experienced as those guys. So even Cuba's hurt. The whole world's hurting for shortstops, except for Curacao uh, and Netherlands. Would that be your Cuban expat shortstop? Uh, yeah. Oh, Junel Escobar is also in that Junel mix. Junel Escobar, Alexi just, Ramirez. Alexi, yeah. But I don't think he's as good defensively as no, those other guys. he's not as good defensively. But he also had a pretty crappy year in the major did. leagues. But that's we'll talk about our Cuban yeah. expat team later. You're getting ahead of yourself on the podcast, JJ. So uh, just just so you know, Piazza OPS plus is 143 and Mowers is 135. It's pretty close. So, uh, and Piazza but that's, the, that's Piazza with the down the the decline part of his career. There's very unlikely that Mowers is going to go up. Certainly, I mean. P- Piazza, I, I also think that Maurer's defense is a lot oh, I, better than, I didn't than say. Piazza's. All I said was, I didn't say he's a better but catcher. Pure hitter. Pure hitter. Pure hitter. I'll, I'm taking Maurer. I, I'm, I'm still taking Maurer. Um, Piazza was a little bit more offensive era as well. So. Uh, that's I know that's normalized. factored in. I know that's factored in. I'll still take Maurer. Um, the U.S. outfield, we already talked about center field. J.J. is the only spot where I think you can really could complain. Uh, unless you want to take, take Josh Hamilton – would you touch Josh Hamilton on a team like this? I just don't think you need to because, again, if the best way I can put it is, is if you said I actually sat down and tried to make out my ideal lineup, you know, my ideal roster. Right. And I didn't have Josh Hamilton on my ideal roster because, to me, if you have the U.S. Team U.S. ideal roster. Which, to me, has Prince Fielder at DH and Freddie Freeman at first base. Okay. You've got Trout. Then you have enough left-handed hitters. You've got Trout in center. You've got. You know, really, probably still Stanton and Braun as the starters. They are, they You've got are the Harper guys for coming me. off the bench, and I, to me, McCutcheon is your fifth outfielder. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get Andrew McCutcheon to come and say, "By the way, you're going to be Mike Trout's backup here for this time." To me, I, I would, I, and I absolutely, I really thought MLB would encourage Giancarlo Stanton, whose mom is Puerto Rican, to play for Puerto Rico to strengthen that team. And then that Bryce Harper would be in right field, Trout in center, and Braun in left. That's really that's, and then and 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 I actually thought that it was possible that you'd see a Josh Hamilton at DH or Prince Fielder there because I I mean 
so that's the biggest. To me, that's the biggest thing they're missing is the premium left-handed power hitter. And to me, the two Americans in the major leagues who define that the most are Prince Fielder and Josh Hamilton. The biggest thing that this team lacks, if you want to be completely honest about it, is if you are on watching this on TV, they have less of the guys who you say, "I'll stop anything." Like, well, Mike, Trout, Harper, and Trout, Posey are the Harper, guys you said the most. Are the guys who you're like, if you said and McCutcheon and McCutcheon. You're flipping channels. They're on. Yep. If you're, you know, if you've got extra innings or whatever, it's like, oh wait, Trout's up. I want to watch this. Exactly. And that's, you, that's if you take that, or and Prince Fielder kind of fits in that too. If he Prince does. Fielder's up, and Josh where, Hamilton, and all those guys. Whereas if Mark Teixeira's up, you don't say, stop everything. Mark right. Teixeira's at bat. You don't say again. Nothing against Jimmy Rollins, but it's not the same as you know as like a Tulo. That's that's exactly or Manny right. Machado for that matter. Like yeah, if, if Manny, it's. It's a great. It's a very. It's a very good lineup. If you're disappointed on MLB's standpoint, it's that they're guys who are. I don't know how much that really would affect the ratings, but the lineup is not one that has a whole lot of guys. Mike Stanton is one. Giancarlo Stanton is one of those guys. Giancarlo Stanton, Ryan, Ryan Braun, Braun is, are those guys. I agree. You know, when he's at his peak, I do, I do think Joe Maurer is that kind of guy. I just think it's awesome to watch Joe Maurer hit. Right. I think he had such a bad 2011. People forgotten how good his 2012 was and how great Joe Maurer is. He's he's fantastic. He's mm-hmm. a fantastic player. I don't think he takes a back seat to anybody personally, but but I'm with you. That's why there's a little bit. Of, maybe there's some, there's this perception of lack of wow. I think the U.S. lineup is outstanding. I think it's going to be proven to be the best lineup in this and, in this field. And now we get to the on the mound, JJ. I, I just think it's very clear cut. They're, th- what they have is fine. Ryan Vogelsong is a good major league pitcher, even though he's 35 and has a great backstory. But he's He's fine. Chris Medlin was phenomenal in the second half last year, and I think it's awesome that the Braves are letting him play in this because he didn't throw a ton of innings last year, mm-hmm. but he's coming off Tommy John. They didn't have to let Chris Medlin play, but they're letting Chris Medlin play. All right, Dickey won the Cy Young last year. Like I said before, to me, an ideal, an ideal rotation would include him in this U.S. Because You'd have a fourth starter who you're going to start against Italy or whatever. I'm not sure who that ideal fourth starter is, but Chris Medlin just about defines that to a T. Young, up-and-coming, coming off a great big league season. To me, Derek Holland wouldn't make this cut. Yeah, He's a good, hard-throwing, left-handed guy to have. Makes sense to have Derek Holland. I see why they're having him on, on this team. But to me, you have to have, from an ideal standpoint, you would have two out of these four guys, Strasburg and Justin Verlander, as your power right-handed guys. Those define number one starter, ace, premium arm, and both guys have USA experience. Strasburg on the 98 uh, Olympic team, Verlander on the 03 college national team, uh, where he was the number two starter behind Jared Weaver. And then one of two left-handers, Clayton Kershaw or David Price. Price, college national team experience. I believe Kershaw was on the 18U team, but don't quote me on that. I haven't looked it up. But to me, if you have two of those four, one power lefty, one power righty, that's the ideal to go with Dickey and then a fourth starter. And so they fell short. They fell two pitchers the, short of the ideal. The, and they definitely, as good as those pitchers are, none of them really have any wow factor at all except for Dickey. And the best way to put this is, is like you listed those. Those would be the four. Like if you said, okay, I can pick. You want you want two of those four. And the best way to put this is, is if you said, okay, sorry, you can't have only those four. And if you said, okay, i got to come up with another four, none of these guys, Vogelson, Medlin, would not be – who would that next four be? That's a good Jared question. Jared Weaver would be one of them. Jared Weaver might be, although he, he was a little bit in decline last year. I guess Zach Greinke would be in that Zach list. Zach Greinke would be in that mix. 
I still think – I know we may differ on this. I think Matt Cain would be fine for that No, mix. I think he's probably in that next mix. He's not in that top four, but he's probably in that next four. CC Sabathia. I, I think Sabathia's in that next four. I actually had a, a Twitter follower who kind of summed it up with, with all the names, and I was like, okay, this is this guy's on it. Now I can't find his email. Um, but, yeah, to me, Cain, Sabathia, Grinky, Chris Sale, those are some of the young, up-and-coming with power arms. Two years ago, you would have said John Lester. Uh, you know, you, you might throw Matt Moore into that if he had a little bit more success under his belt. Um, ja- I mean, you know, like, would you throw Adam honest, Wayne? James Shields would be in this discussion yeah. before Ryan Vogel song and guys right. like that. Would you throw? Would you throw uh, Adam Wainwright in there? Is yeah. he? Is he not quite? I mean, he didn't have a great year last but year. But Tommy John. He still had. I mean, I would say that he's in that discussion. Right. The the thing. There's just there's no power here. Right. Like I, I was actually – this is pitiful. You know who I was actually kind of hoping would be on this team would have been Jeff Samarja, just someone who's interesting. Yeah, I don't think he's earned a spot on this roster yet, yeah, but I'm, from I'm, an I'm, innings, I'm, I was looking up when I was doing some research for this in the fall. I was looking up guys who threw like 175 innings or less, that kind of – in that range, guys who hadn't been overtaxed. He was shut down. Like I would say Matt Garza. Matt Garza had some health issues last year. One of the guys, the power arms I came up with was Samarja. There's just not that many young, up-and-coming power arms that you would think would be possible for this team. Matt Moore was another guy I hoped for. But, like, would you really rather have – would you rather have Vogelsong or would you rather have Jeremy Hellickson? I'd rather have Vogelsong. You know, I'm surprised that, Vogel, that the Giants are letting Vogelsong. They're similar-type pitchers. They're command-over-stuff pitchers. And Vogelsong's been better, and, frankly, the fact that he's done it in postseason – like he just did this past year makes me put puts him but, over the top for me. Yeah, I, I guess. But again, the, what we're talking about is is that okay, you couldn't get your top fifteen, so we're we're you know your top, you know like okay, so we. That, I'd say Vogel songs in your top twenty, but he certainly is not sexy. But right. like, would you rather have Vogel song or or Homer Bailey? Homer Bailey's exciting. I'd rather have Homer Bailey from I'd an exciting standpoint. I wouldn't see, and I would not. I just about to say, I would not want Matt Latos on this team. Not after, I, I you know, you know, I wouldn't. Ryan Hannigan knows, <laughs> Buster Posey knows. Just that grand slam, that game, that collapse. Yeah, I don't I, want him in the crucible of international competition. I, I, he's still, a more exciting arm. I'd, still, I'd take Homer over him. Not not over the course of a season for this tournament. Those are two different things. No, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting. I, it, the the best way to put it is is that like I and I don't expect the bullpen to be that sexy. I mean, you know, their bullpen has Craig Kimbrell. That's that's a fascinating guy to watch. But I think this bullpen is a well put together group. A, a, again, the depth of American bull, U.S. bullpen choices is such that it's it's a hard one. And I'm I think they did a very good job putting it together. I like it's the a bullpen. hard one to screw up. Yeah, I like the bullpen. That's you right. have so many options right. there where it's like, okay. And it's cool that Craig Kimbrell. look at the buffet. It's cool that Craig Kimbrell's there. I think Chris Perez is a great choice on that. He's a guy who doesn't have tremendous stuff and maybe kind of walks that tightrope, but he's played for USA Baseball before. He has that – he played on the college national team. I think that experience helps. But, you know, he's the caddy. He's going to show up. And he has to know, oh, by the way, Craig Kimball is much better than you. And Craig Kimball is much is better than everybody. And that's good. Because you got a second guy who has experience closing games. Part of this is that you're not managing beyond the fact that every game is right. important. Right. You're also managing there's a couple of things you're having here. One is is that essentially in the early rounds, you're gonna have the bear down games. Right. And you're gonna have the don't screw it up games. That's it. And there's a big difference between the bear down games and the don't screw it up games. Because 
you know you're going to have this set up ideally. So Craig Kimbrell closes out the bear down games. Right. And Chris Perez, you can handle the don't screw it up games where we hope we have a 10-run lead. That's yeah. right. You're going to close against Italy. So uh, I guess our, our but verdict – you're not going to get to go back-to-back with them. Our verdict would be I still think this is the favorite. I think that this – I think the United States team, I think especially because these players actually want to be there, um, and that, that motivation – I think especially when you're looking at Medlin and you're looking at Vogelsong, these guys didn't have to be there. Both these guys, you know, pitched in the postseason last year and were – especially Vogelsong, these guys pitched big workloads, bigger than they've pitched in the past. So their motivation to be there, Derek Collins, I think they have enough to win this thing. But I think part of that also, J.J., is that six of our top seven prospects from last time are already in the major leagues and are not going to play in this WBC. Right, it's more of the – really, if you ask me, do I think – I mean, yes, I think this team is the favorite to win it. Obviously, we won't know the full extent of all the rosters. We're still waiting for that. that right. That's later today as we record this. But the best way to put it is, is not be necessarily because I think that they've built this juggernaut roster that just, you know, the U.S. Right. The U.S. history in the World Baseball Classic is awful. Uh, well, mean, it's, it's it's modest. They did with, I, they did, they, did, they did go to the Final Four last time, which is kind of back be, then. But they should be in the Final Four each time. They should be. The reality is, is I'm sorry, I'm putting the expectations out there. If you are Team USA in this and you're not in the finals, I know in a game anything can happen. You're not in the finals. It was a dis. I mean, it was a disappointing World Baseball Classic. I don't disagree with you that they should. I, I think if they're not in the semifinals, I, I'm set the bar a little bit lower because I just I I do in the professional era of international baseball, no one makes the finals every time. Not even Cuba. Uh, especially since the last uh, Oli- their last Olympic gold, they've only made they've made the finals as often as they've fallen short of making the finals. And Cuba had won every Pan Am Games. Well, 2011 they didn't they they'd won every one since 1967 until t- 2011 when they didn't even make the finals. They lost in the semifinals to the U.S. So uh, even Cuba in these tournaments where no one else cares but them has not been able to keep that right. up. So I, I think that I think that just the experience of overall. International baseball, no one in the professional era has lived up to that standard but you're setting, so I don't believe the, the United States should be held to that. But, okay, but they haven't made it to the finals. Right, but they, and they made it to the semifinals the one time, right. and that's bad. So that is bad. That to but me is make, a, making it to the semifinals is enough, but they didn't even make it to the semifinals the first time. So the second time, I think, was a satisfactory, like a C. The first time they get an F. 06, that team got an F. So if you average that out, they're, they're a, a D right now. So that's, that's what I'm saying. If you average those two out, they got an F and a okay, C. Okay, that's fine. I didn't know we were doing a draft report card yeah. grade average. But, but, uh, but yeah, it, 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 their, their 2016 was an embarrassment. What do you think if the United States wins the 2013 World Baseball Classic, JJ, that the 2017 Classic will be a bigger deal? What is it going to take for the Classic to be? Would it really take all the stars in Major League Baseball all playing for their team? I don't think it. I I don't think it's. I think it's always going to be more of an event that BA readers, you know, BA listeners, people. Diehard baseball fans are interested in, but it's not. I, I don't think the timing of it and all that, it's going to be really hard to ever really capture the general public's. Because one of the big things being really the thing that makes this event fascinating for us right. is part of what hurts it for that is that if you said that the Cuban team wasn't the Cuban national team, but it was Cuban guys in the big leagues, that would 
for the general public, that would make for a much more saleable event. Hey, look. Would it? Because I think that in some ways, the mystery of the Cuban team but appeals to some people. I, I, think, I think it does. I think the people it appeals to are the people who are watching it now. Whereas okay. if you said, but you can't, if you say, hey, look, Despagne in the, you know, in the World Baseball Classic Finals, you put that on a TV ad in the U.S. and the right. average fan goes, who? Right. I really do think that MLB Network, trying to build an audience for this, the way you build the audience for this is you show winter ball games. This is the winner that I would have shown winter ball games. I wouldn't show it every well, year, but every four years, MLB Network should probably show games from Puerto Rico. Hey, here's Javi Vasquez. He's on the comeback trail, and he's going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic but, for Puerto Rico. And the same kind of thing. And, and th- These games in Cuba are broadcast. I'll just pick one, but I'd show it. It's building a story is what you're supposed to do in television, isn't it? Right, but don't but, when you build that story. To me, though, again, that the people who are going to watch that are the same people who are already fans of this. I'm saying I get it, but that's yeah. that's where the games are being shown. They're being shown on World on MLB Network. They're not going to be on the other right. networks. So you're building the show on your network for people. Who but are, what I'm saying is, this, I guess it depends on what question you're asking. If you're asking, is this ever going to be a, you know, a, I think this is a wonderful event already. If you ask me, is it ever going to be a big deal, like as far as like it's taking over the national stage or anything that's like that? That's not what I'm asking. Okay, I'm so asking to make this event an event that Major League Baseball fans care okay, about. That's okay. That's what I'm saying. Like make this a bigger deal in the realm of Major League Baseball. Then, yes, I think I think right there what really more than anything is. That's is, the realistic who, question. <laughs> but those, if that's the question, then it's getting those stars in the U.S. to play. It's see, getting Harper and see. I think America is jingoistic enough that if the United States wins, people will pay more attention. And the only thing that they really don't pay attention, like even in, in basketball, I do feel like th- that's that's the parallel. The NBA uses their players in the Olympics. Um, that's out of season, which is a difficult parallel that MLB cannot match. A, but B. Although I have fancifully recommended in the past that baseball become a, a winter Olympic sport, <laughs> played in a dome <laughs> and, and play at the Winter Olympics. Uh, that will never happen. Um, but for the WBC, I think that Amer- I think that this, this is a jingoistic country, and uh, American success would translate to more eyeballs. But I really do feel like to make this event, you can't just throw it out there and say game tonight, WBC tonight. And that's basically what MLB has done. I don't feel like there's a concerted effort to really make this happen. And here's – I was talking with a scout last night. Here's the first way this concerted effort happens. The World Series is over. Bud Selig is meeting with his guys and, you know – the powers that be, whether it's owners or whatever, and he's gonna, they're going to start the owners' meeting, and Bud Selig is in that meeting. And the first thing he says, all right, gentlemen, we're all here. First things first, he presses the button on the speakerphone, dial, has his, his lackey dial Mike Trout's cell number. He calls Mike Trout and says, Mike Trout, this is Commissioner Bud Selig. How are you? Hope you had a, congratulations on your great year. I just want to let you know you're playing for the United States in the World Baseball Classic. I'm not giving you a choice. You're playing. We're building the marketing of this event around you. This event matters to me. It matters to Major League Baseball, and you're going to be the guy. So whatever else you have to plan to do, block off March because you're playing for Team USA. And that's what it takes. It's, mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't. I think Major League Baseball has made a halfway commitment They've, to the World Baseball Classic. I agree. I don't feel like they're all in. I, and I feel like until they get all in, get, being all in is going to involve the commissioner's involvement. And ownerships it could be getting the behind it, whacking owners in the head, and saying, "I get out of the way," because that's right. This now, matters to me, right? So we're going to make this a priority, right? Because right, right now, because right now it is. You are getting 
I, it almost feels like that as a, if you are a player who wants to play in the World Baseball Classic, you almost have to make your case. Right. Instead of it being assumed that you're going right. to play, unless and there's guys who you say, like, sorry, you know what? I'm coming off of a surgery. I need a little bit more time. Oh, absolutely. Right. But right different. now, the assumption, I feel like coming down from ownership is – We'd rather you didn't play. We, wa- we don't want you to play. Absolutely. And then the guy has to come and say, but this is really important to me. Okay, we'll let you, under some conditions, we'll let you go. For my crazy, my crazy other idea to make this uh, popular, I don't know how crazy this one is, but, J.J., how do you feel about the John Manuel Plan B, which is play the WBC's first two rounds in spring training as you do now, but once you get down to the semifinals and finals, you wait until the All-Star break. And every four yeah. years, instead of an All-Star game, the All-Star break is two days of WBC games. So games end on Sunday, futures game that Sunday, and wherever the wherever the game is, a day or two days off, probably two days off. Uh, to uh, They did expand the All-Star break with the new CBA. So two days off to let the teams uh, assemble. Then a doubleheader on that Wednesday, two semifinal games. Championship the next day. And then championship the next day. Do you think that that would make the – W A, is that – Plausible from a scheduling standpoint, and B, uh, would that make the game the, the WBC more popular? B, yes. A, no. You don't think it's plausible no, from a scheduling I don't standpoint? Think, I don't Why think, not? And the main reasons is this: I think okay, since it is a World Baseball Classic, you have right now like Japan plays in it. They understand it's important to them to, to do well, all those things. And that's in the middle of their season, so the, they could probably sync up their season, which has fewer games right. f- and a lot more dome stadiums, I think fairly easily with the American right. schedule. But you're, the but you're asking, you're telling, you're saying, we want you to stop your season so that our event, because right. it's a World Baseball Classic, right. but they do already kind of do that. I mean, they have their own All-Star game. It would be a bigger financial carrot, but they do kind of already do that. Could it also not be that 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 the World Baseball Club, that the All Star Game, uh, instead of so every four years, one one time it's in the United States, but another time it's in Japan? That would be to me. If you did that, then you've got a chance. It's like if you said, "Hey, I didn't say you wouldn't do that." If that's that, what it took, if I were commissioner, if it were Commissioner Manual, and if that's what it took, I'd be but, on that but train. Like, here's the thing with that though: every four years, let me ask you this, okay? You're talking about for the Did U.S. You, team, I, you're talking I, about 25 guys, 28 those 25, guys. When those 25 guys, if you said, hey, by the way, during your All-Star break, you're going to Japan. Would that All-Star break not just be longer? You can just make it a little bit longer How All-Star break? How much longer are you making it? Because they're going to have to Two show Two extra it. days. It's already five days now. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that you're saying, okay, so you're going to finish playing on Sunday. You're going to fly to Japan on Monday? Probably, yeah. Okay, so you'll get there. You'll take Tuesday to acclimate. You'll play Wednesday. You'll play. I, don't, thir- I think you'd have to give them an extra day. Okay, so you play Thursday. You play Friday. You're going to fly back, and you're going to start playing again on. Yeah, that's tough. That's that's the that's, that's the tough. part that is the, that is the obstacle. Like Korea, if, obviously, too. If we if we can get air travel down where you could do that trip in, not we need the X forty three to become a reality right. and a commercial venture. Right. If you could do that, that, but name, without that, did I get the plane right. Space yeah, plane, yeah, X forty three. Nice, nicely done. Thank you. Um, um, t- to me, uh, I actually got this emailed uh, from a, a reader and a longtime fan. David K. Lee tweeted at me that he liked that idea. He thought it was more realistic, though. Like you said, that the Japan and Korea, the Far East component, renders that 
too difficult. He would he thinks that he could have an America's basically an America's Cup every four years instead of in lieu of a WBC at the All Star break and have uh, you know United States, Canada, Cuba, Dominican, Venezuela, whichever you know have a qualifying tournament and those last four teams uh, were, you know, do that tournament, but which makes geographically and, and in terms of time it makes more. The sense. other thing with that is is that the best players from all those countries with the exception of Cuba, obviously, are all in the major leagues. But the, the other part with that, though, that by the time we're talking about the 2017 World Baseball Classic, are we talking about a different Cuban team? Very possible. I mean, if, Good if, point. Because the thing about this is, really right now, your obstacles in this are two main obstacles. On one side, you have the Asian teams, which understandably, there is a travel component and all to that that is going to be always difficult. And also, I mean, Japan plays, I believe Japan plays two All-Star games. That's clearly a moneymaker for right. Japan's league. Like, in talking to this other scout last night, he just talked about how Japan's leagues are down. Just the mm-hmm. talent level in Japan is just oh, that, down from what it was in 06 We, we need to get back to this at some point because we were talking about this as, as far as why the U.S. is the favorite. But to finish this up, though, the other aspect right now is, is Cuba is such a – Cuba is a – is a round peg in a square hole in when you talk about baseball in the Americas right now, in that really you, as we just talked about, you have almost two separate teams and you're only allowed to have one of those teams play. Right. If you said that all of a sudden you had by 2017, let's say that situations have changed. If we get to the point where Cubans can play in the U in the big leagues, just as just like right. a guy, you know, from the Dominican Republic can play in the big leagues. You're talking about an entirely different story at that point. Absolutely. Because then – You could also be talking about a different story if uh, Venezuela becomes closed or similarly closed to Cuba, which it's not there, but it's it's certainly more closed off the American talent now than it was 10 years ago. Right. But, but, Hugo, Chavez, still, but Hugo Chavez being in a Cuban hospital and being unable right. to return I was for say, I don't see that happening, though. I don't see – I think it's going the other way. Right, but I don't, see, I don't see Miguel Cabrera not being allowed to play in the U.S. Right, but I mean the next – but the next Miguel Cabrera may not be. That's that there that that is what Hugo Chavez would like. He would like Venezuela to have its own league, and those and the best players yeah. do not go. I, but to the I United don't see States. that. I don't see that's going. We'll see no, with no, Hugo see. Chavez's health. But some of these guys, if he sticks around as long as Fidel Castro, <laughs> you never know. Um, speaking of that, JJ, do you, do you want to go over my my Cuban expat team? Well, I, a, at first, I did want to touch on the, like one one thing. We're going to talk more about this going forward. But the reason I think that you know we we both agree that the U.S. is the favorite is is as you said. These other teams just – there's going to be dynamic young talent that's going to be great to see from Japan, from Korea, from Cuba, from some of these other countries. But the reality of it is is that it's not as dynamic as it was last time. Yeah, and the Cuban team, just for an example, the Cuban team is actually very similar to the U.S. in that um, its power – the strength of this team is in the outfield and some dynamic infielders, although Hector Oliveira is missing, a 27-, 28-year-old second baseman who – and one of the best players in Cuba. And it's surprising that he's not on this team. Uh, but, you know, the outfield, they have Alfredo Despagne, who has twice in the last five years set Cuba's single-season home run record, did it this year on the last day of the season with a inside-the-park home run. I believe it's uh, now up to 34 of their single-season home run record. Um, you got Alexi Bell, who set the home run record in 07-08 and then dominated the uh, Olympics. Yeah, I think he had six home runs or five home runs in the 2008 Olympics, including one in the gold medal loss against the uh, – Yu Hyun Jin for uh, for Korea, um, and, and you've got uh, you know long time thirty officially thirty two years old uh, Frederick Cepeda, 
who uh, any Olympic fans remember he was the hero of the 2004 Olympics for Cuba. He carried the team offensively and made this disputed catch against Australia in the gold medal game. That was the key play of that game. And then you've got, uh, obviously, Uleski Gurriel back in the tournament. Uh, kind of seems ageless, but I think he's 28 years old. And Jose Dariel Abreu at first base, who's a behemoth, turns 26 at the end of January. Uh, he was the league MVP in Cuba in 2010-2011, and he set the home run record that year. He tied with this with Despaigne, I believe. And his his numbers that year were Nintendo numbers. So Cuban offense, they've uh, they've got their own ball issues like college baseball does, and uh, they've got much livelier balls there than they used to have. Um, much livelier baseballs. And uh, that's led to a real spike in offense in Cuba. But so has the talent. But on the mound, J.J., so has the talent because it's ordinary. It's the, very ordinary. And, and the guys who are supposed to be Cuba's aces right now are all gone. You know, if, if, if the start of the professional baseball era, professionals in, in uh, being used in international baseball, Cuba had aces out the yin-yang. They had uh, Norge Vera, Ciro Lisset, Jose Contreras, uh, Jose Ibar, Peter Luis Lazo. They had more pitching than they knew what to do with. Um, I mean, they had guys who were not getting to pitch on those teams who scouts right. were like, man, we wish we could see that guy. Then you And then you had in 2000, you had 19-year-old Miles Rodriguez. He was out there throwing 100 miles an hour. Every fastball was upper 90s to 100. He was I mean, he was built like Roger Clemens. He looked like he was the future of Cuban baseball. Then he tried to defect, and he got run into the ground. Miles Rodriguez was a Roldis Chapman before Roldis Chapman with, a frankly, a better body and a better chance to start, I thought, and – I mean, the guy was just a stud. He was unbel- a better track record in Cuba than Chapman had when he left Cuba. But then you had Contreras, and then Contreras left. And since Contreras left after the 2003 season, I believe it was, Cuba's international baseball track record is much worse. 04, 05, that's the last two times they won significant tournaments that the United States played in. And they that, was, won and that was partly because at that point, Lazo and guys like that were still – in the still prime. had Lazo. Well, yeah, I don't know about prime, but yeah, still. still. <laughs> hey, the prime for that was a long prime. Right. Still, but they still had Lazo, and they had uh, enough other pitchers. But some of these 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 guys, you know, I mean, uh, the reality Danny is Betancourt, Vicio Andre Odelin, uh, y- uh, Yonder Guevara, to, uh, Norberto Gonzalez, Uleski Gonzalez, uh, Freddie Av- Asiel Alvarez is a younger guy, but a shorter right-hander. But does throw hard. None of these guys dominate Serie Nacional or have pitched consistently well for Cuba international competition. These guys are basically the reason that Cuba has not dominated anymore in international competition. So we think the U.S. pitching staff is a little underwhelming. If you're in Cuba, if you're sipping coffee in Havana right now and they're talking about your roster, you're talking about how bad Cuban pitching has gotten. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty convinced. They're not the favorite in any way. And the thing about it is is that we talk about Japan. The reality is is that Japan's – you know, and again, we'll talk about them more in a future podcast. The aces are missing from right. this. Well, the, the, the last two, the, the winners of WBCs have been Japan both times, and each time, you Darvish, Daisuke Matsuzaka, those were the MVPs. These were the, these were the, these were the guys who set the tone and separated Japan from other teams. They're starting pitching and, uh, you know, Darvish pitching in both as a starter and in relief. I don't know that they're, 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 you know, there's not that next guy in Japan. Darvish and Matsuzaka were so hyped when they came to Major League Baseball because they had separated themselves from the rest of Japanese baseball. We loved Hisashi Iwakuma last time. He was really good. He's been proven good. He's not Darvish. He wasn't Darvish, and he's not Darvish. So there's a drop-off. Just talking to international scouts as we prepare our preview for the WBC, there's less anticipation for this classic among scouts than there was for 2009. And scouts love the classic. 
They love seeing those guys, and I can't tell you how many scouts have already told me they're going to Japan to see the uh, qual- the first part. You can't, you can't not. The first pool with Japan, Cuba, Brazil, and China. I mean, You can't not because here's the thing. There are, you know, pretty much, for all we just talked about, there are at least, there would be more if everyone came over. Right. But you know that there are several players on that Cuban team who are, you are down the road, your GM is going to be asking you, should we be spinning? you, you got to make sure you need to scout that to make sure that you sign the next Aoki. I forget his first name, but for the no, Brewers, yeah. and not the next Suyoshi, not uh, the, the second baseman for uh, the the Twins. I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, he was the, terrible. Uh, um, Nakajima. Nakajima. No. Yeah. yeah he, whatever his name was, you all know who I'm talking about, and he was terrible. I mean, Charles Barkley laughed at that, at that guy. How bad that guy was. So, you you need to sign the next Aoki and not. That next mistake. And that thing you about need to sign Hideki great, Matsui, not Kaz Matsui. And this is the great opportunity with that is that it's a great leveler. Trust me, when you're when Aroldis Chapman was you know hit the market, it wasn't a great you know it wasn't a long look, but seeing what he did against elite competition right. is partly what you're depending on. But I also when want you, Darvish. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. When you see you Darvish, you see guys like that. Not that you don't see. Not that you already didn't know to like you, Darvish. Right. But to see what he did in a pressure-packed situation. Right. Against, against Western hitters. Against Western hitters, you go, okay, that means something. I mean, again, Matsuzaka's entire career, disappointing in the U.S. No doubt. But his but peak was pretty good. His, his first two was, years were pretty good in the United States. His, pe- his peak was really good. And the reality is, is that that was based in part on the confidence to sign him is based in part on. Man, do you see what he did in the WBC? Right. These things – Guys make money in the World Baseball Classic. It's pretty amazing that I'm saying the United States is the favorite. We haven't seen Japan's roster yet, so we probably need to hold off on saying that, considering Japan has won the past two uh, WBCs. Um, but Cuba, I, I think Cuba's fascinating, JJ. Another thing that about Cuba's pitching being down, if you just one way to map that out is just look at the Cuban pitchers who are in the big leagues. Uh, there are not many of them. There's Chapman, there's Levon Hernandez, uh, Contreras, I'm not dead Francis Lee Bueno. I mean, frankly, the best Cuban starter probably would be Jose Fernandez, the Marlins prospect. But what that made me think, I was, what I was going to interrupt you for before, but I'm, you know, I, I didn't want to, I want to fully form the thought a little bit more. You know, scouts like to talk about how the draft has killed Puerto Rico, which I think is just false. You know, there have been a lot of good Cuban, uh, Puerto Rican players come out of the draft. There just hasn't been, I, I just think what happened was that the, there was just a peak in the generation after Roberto Clemente of people who were inspired by Roberto Clemente. So Puerto Rico produced the Alomars and uh, Carlos Delgado and uh, Ivan Rodriguez and that wrapped the player. But you, gotta, uh, you still have the Molinas. You still have Alex Rios, a perfectly cromulent big leaguer. You have a lot of good big leaguers. Uh, Javier Vasquez had a great career. And now you see a little spike in Puerto Rican talent. It just so happens that two of them moved to the United States. But the last two years, you had three first-round picks in Puerto Rico from Carlos Correa, number one overall, and then two pre- previous years, Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez, both Puerto Rican ethnically. This past year, you had J.O. Barrios of the Twins. I'm pretty sure he was the highest or the second highest drafted pitcher out of Puerto Rico in the history of the draft. You had uh, his only competition are guys like Luis Adelano, who wasn't so good, then uh, Lopez, right-handed pitcher that the uh, Brewers drafted two years ago. But to me, talent has to be coming back in Puerto Rico as opposed to decline. I'm, I almost wonder if Cuba and Japan, their professional leagues, and Korea, which I again talking to this other scout the other day, he thinks Korea's down. I think all these things are cyclical. Maybe I wonder if the WBC is instructive for these scouts. Are they going to go watch the WBC this year and go, well, you know, the young talent is down 
in Japan and in Korea and even in Cuba. The draft isn't killing baseball there. Maybe it's not the draft that's killing things in Puerto Rico. Maybe these things really do just go in cycles. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, I mean, we see it. The, the best way I can put it is, is you see it in the draft. Right. You see it. We don't have a bad year in the draft and say, well, something, you know, that's just being killed in the U.S. Like, no, you have good drafts and you have bad drafts. Right. You, you know, you have good prospect classes. We saw Trout Harper, you know, that's. Right. Or the 2005 draft spike, the 2011 draft spike. Right. And then but you also have other years yeah. where you go, man, you get through that whole first round. There's not much there. Right. That it it happens, and sure, I'm there. There can be you know complicating factors you know beyond that and all, but I do think you know like you said, like with Cuban pitchers, I think part of the problem for that is is that the current format as it is is not set up well to develop. It's it makes it hard to develop pitching. The current format of how guys get to the U.S. Oh, okay, because what right, happens? No- Noel Arguelles. Was paid a lot of money. He's supposed to be better than he's been. What happens is, is that, and I don't think this, I think it affects hitters too, but the hitters that we've had come out a lot of times are guys who are generally are a little closer. The guys who've come out as hitters are generally guys who are like, okay, that guy's pretty close to the big leagues. Yeah, the exception, like Diane Vicieto was the exception. Most of the rest of them, the Kenny Moraleses, the Alexi Ramirez, those guys were a little bit, obviously, Yoannis Espedes. Right. Those guys were considered big league ready. Right. So we're not talking about development with those. We've had a lot of pitchers who, when they come out, little younger pitchers, you know, even a guy like Chapman, Arguez, uh, some of these guys, okay, you come out. And depending on how well your unblocking goes or whatever, you right. pretty much – You are, sit for nine months. You sit for nine months to a year. It's the thing we used to talk about with Boris clients in the draft who held out and held out and held and, out. And there's a lot of those guys who right. at least it took a while to get it back. That's right. You're more likely to get hurt, you know, if you've had a long layoff. And then if you were – if you came from a situation where, you know what, you're young enough that you need development time. Well, for one, you've had this long layoff. You Guys who you're facing were getting better right. while That's you right. were getting worse. You were stagnant. That's you were right. stagnant at best, and you might be getting worse. You were in a situation where for those nine months to a year, your big job was to light up a radar gun. That's right. I mean, more than anything else. Everything exactly was right. built about light up the radar gun because that's going to get you the most money. And then once that's over, you have to go back to, okay, now we need to pitch. Well, really, really it, I, I, that, that was very evident as I was looking up a Cuban expat team last night. I don't have my more recent one where I went, I just combed through the prospects block for all these pitchers who signed. But yeah, the Yankees have a pitcher, Amar Luis. They signed for $4 million out of Cuba, 20-year-old left-hander. And he still hasn't – the signing hasn't gone through. He's still not official. And I think he signed like eight, nine months ago. What's this guy been doing? I don't even think he's allowed to play winter ball. And that, Meanwhile, so what happens, Pedro Luis Lazo was pitching in Mexico this year. But So what happens with that is is that, to me, those guys never get that back. I agree. It's and very hard to get it back. Whereas you, you compare that to a like point. a guy like Jose Fernandez who came over as a 14-year-old, I think, or so. Or 16 or, or 18, right, whatever but, you think he is. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but what happened there is is that by that he didn't – the time, <laughs> right? No, there was no layoff. He didn't sit down a bunch of. He, he wasn't sitting around waiting to be a, declared a free agent and waiting to get his big payday. That and like makes he a said, difference. just pitching for the radar gun. I agree, it does make a difference. And the, the maybe that's part of the reason. I, I that's a good point of why the Cuban hitters have been so much more successful than the pitchers. But uh, obviously, we are anticipating the WBC. We've I, got a pretty big preview planned. Um, JJ, do we have any uh, Twitter questions? We do have. I'm going to hit a couple of uh, WBC Twitter questions. Uh, we had a couple of those. Um, 
uh, Hansi, Hans Hans O two three H A N S E O two three on Twitter. Mister Hans, do they test for PEDs at WBC? Yes, to my understanding, it's yes. the same. Uh, it's, it's it's actually World Anti Doping uh, Association rules, which not yeah, yeah it's stringent. Cr- which credit to MLB at this point, no big difference between that and what they're doing for MLB. So, I mean, when MLB's testing blood testing for HGH, where right. And they've set up the rules. Are you going to be tested during the season? And you don't know. Even if you got tested, that doesn't guarantee that you won't get tested again. I don't know how much tougher you can get than that. Right. So, yeah. I think the WBC should be a pretty clean uh, event. Um, We had Miggy Gutierrez at Miggy Flavored asked, which team do you think has the best shot of surprising this year at the WBC, JJ? Who's the sleeper? We don't have all the rosters yet. We don't have the rosters, but I'm going to say the team, uh, to me, the team I want to see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And which I think could, like, it depends on what your expectations for them are. Right. But I, I love the Netherlands team. Like, as far as I, I think that they're going to be fascinating to watch. I don't think that they're going to go deep in this, but I think they're going to win a couple of games. Yeah, I was surprised. There's a uh, baseballfever.com has a lively international message board. I would probably say the only international baseball message board that I've that I notice uh, and that has some some, some stuff going on. And there's a thread there about uh, how the Dutch team is, uh, you know, debating the the Dutch team and how much uh, what their chances are and all these kind of thing. And uh, you know, to me, uh, you you you're looking at where they're sent, and I'm I'm uh, struggling to find where the Netherlands is going. They're going to Chinese Taipei. It's Taiwan, Australia, Korea, and uh, Australia, Taiwan, Korea, Netherlands. The Netherlands is the number two team there for me, at least mm-hmm. behind Korea. And that's it might be like, the best me, team. And to me, if they make it out of there, they look good there, and they make it out, and they win a game once they make it over. That was a great. Right. The Netherlands was the story of 2009. They upset the Dominican. They came out and advanced to the second round. Uh, no Rod Delmonico this year. I forget who their manager is. I'm blanking on who their manager is. But this is the team that if you could make international trades, they would trade some shortstops for some other stuff, especially if Kevin Towers running another team. They might be able to get a, an, an ace number one starter for Didi Gregorius again. But Didi Gregorius, Andrelton Simmons, Jerickson Profar, Jonathan Scope, all these guys are Dutch. These are all Netherlands Antilles players who could all play shortstop for the Netherlands. Well, that's insane. Um, that would be – they're all minor leaguers with the exception of, of uh, Simmons. And Profar. Uh, Profar's barely played in the big yeah. league. I get it. But uh, that's a young uh, – and I always forget Xander Bogarts too. Don't forget Xander Bogarts. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. That's five guys who you'd love to have. Any nation – would be proud of to have as their young shortstops. I mean, Jonathan Scope is the fifth best guy there, and he would be toward the top of most any other country. I mean, like Canada would be slobbering all over Jonathan Scope if he could be it their would shortstop. It would fill their biggest need. It would. I, I think they would love to trade Nick Weglars for Scope um, or I some other. Could, I was going to say, I think you could drive a harder bargain than that. I, I think, think I think the Netherlands would, would go a little bit uh, heavier than that. I was going to say, maybe, I, they'd, you know. maybe they'd trade Larry Walker. <laughs> Uh, he'd still probably be better than most of the left-handed power hitters the Netherlands will have. You know, Dr. I, I Van Nostrand, considering, considering the drop-off for them at shortstop, I was going to say, it's like, I'm sorry, we're not giving you Laurie. You know, Canada's we're not giving you Brett Laurie, we're, but we're, you know. We're, uh, Canada's the team I think actually could surprise, because I think the Netherlands didn't surpri- won't be a surprise because they won, uh, they advanced last time. Um, to me, the two surprise teams, the teams I want to watch the most, are Brazil and Canada. Um, I would say Brazil, because I want to see how the Brazilians fare in Japan, uh, there are going to be a lot of Japanese Brazilians of Japanese extraction, ethnicity on the Brazilian team. I thought it was a big deal for baseball, for capital B baseball, that Brazil 
won a qualifier, and if Brazil can at least outstrip China, uh, beat China, and avoid next WBC uh, qualifier round, and that's better for baseball in Brazil, better for Major League Baseball. I like for Brazil to win a game, and from a marketing standpoint, from a growing the game standpoint, that would be encouraging. I uh, also look for some young Brazilian players to maybe be signed out of uh, with all the scouts there to watch Japan and, uh, and Cuba. But then I'll say Canada, and to me, other than shortstop, where they're playing Cole, Kale Orge, who cannot hit, <laughs> other than that, uh, we'll, we'll see if Canada gets some of its uh, other prospects. They've released 23 of their 28 provisional roster, as of we, we have. Uh, this afternoon, we'll see if Jameson Tyone's on the Canadian roster. That'd be a big we'll difference. we'll see if James Paxson's on the Canadian roster. We'll see if Oscar Tavares, who spent four years living in Montreal and has a Canadian passport, if he's on the if Canadian went, roster. If they went three for three on that, this they team, they, they're, they're that? the most fascinating team. I would rather watch. I mean, I, would, I agree. Completely. I would rather watch a game, a Team Canada game, than a Team U. And we'll TV see if they have Joey Votto. That's not a done deal. They're going to have Joey Votto. No, uh, from I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd say it's unlikely. I, my guess is, is it's unlikely that they're getting Votto. They do have Justin Morneau, who's a nice consolation prize. Uh, right. I mean, the thing about this is they've got Russ, They've got a, a a reasonable representation at catcher by, by with Russ Martin. Oh, yeah. They have, no, they have, they're, they'll, they'll have a solid team. Uh, and the thing that Canada has, Canada is the team that most combines a Western style of play and guys who've played in the major leagues and AAA with uh, cohesiveness and a team aspect that the United States will never match and that most resembles Korea and Japan. Mm-hmm. One of these years, it's going to come together for Canada where Brett Lowry's going to go nuts and have a big week, or their guys are going to have a good week, or Andrew Albers, Mr. International Ace himself, hero of the Pan Am Games in 2011, or one of these guys who's a double-A AA or triple-A pitcher has a game like that, like Rob Cordemans has had or Tom Stufbergen have had for the Netherlands. So Canada, to me, it's their combination of they do have they have good talent, solid talent, with the fact that they're cohesive, they all know each other, they're going to have the best clubhouse in this event. They've all played together over and over again, of youth tournaments, uh, national tournaments. They have the most cohesion, the most loyalty to each other. Ernie Witt's basically been managing them since 1999. There, there are no surprises with Team Canada. So if they get those other players that we talked about, Paxton, Tyone, and Tavares, and if they can incorporate those players into that team concept they already have, I think Canada could be dangerous in this tournament. And you know they're always going to have left-handed power. They're always going to have left-handed power, and that's the one thing uh, I, I, I joked with Greg Hamilton. The one Dominican guy that Canada is going to have is the one who's left-left, <laughs> Oscar, Oscar Tavares, the one guy who can't even who cannot play shortstop. So even Oscar Tavares, even even Canada's Dominican cannot play shortstop. So uh, we'll end on a great ethnic joke. Uh, World Baseball Classic Fever. We've we've got it. Uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at jjcoop36 at John Manuel BA. Uh, for more World Baseball Club Classic uh, blather and more. So for JJ, I'm John. We'll talk to you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.